Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. You're listening to FP Interviews. In-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. Hello and welcome to Footy Prime Interview. Shaman here with you. Dunlop's here. Forrest is here. Wonga. JC's here as well, somewhere lurking in the weeds. Um, today, if you've ever streamed soccer from south of the border, you know this guy. Now, early in my career, when we were stealing footage from illegal streams for my, my old shows, we'd often use his voice in our sound-ups. He's done it all from Fox Sports to ESPN to LAFC. He's a bit of a soccer broadcasting legend in North America. Max Bredos joins us. Max, thank you so much. And how you doing? Well... A lot better after that introduction, I got to say that was uh, that was more than I that was more than I deserve, quite frankly. But I, I'm really happy to be with you guys, and uh, yeah, uh, I we're, the check I imagine's in the mail for pirating my voice, and we can uh, move on from there. <laughs> of course, yeah, you know it's funny back in those days, right? It was so hard to find fees of certain games and back of headline sports, like late '90s, early 2000s, and we did what we did. And we had no choice and we found a way. But, you know, looking back to your early days in the biz, Max, um, you know, trying to help grow the sport, of course. Did you think that in 2022 you'll still be doing it? Because <laughs> I don't think I'm, back in those days I was. I don't know. And I think about it a lot now because it's changing so much and you have to adapt. Mm-hmm. I mean, this uh, forum here with the podcast or doing something on YouTube or whatever it is to kind of, you know, get your name or create a brand. It's like, I've, I was way behind the, the, the curb with that. So um, I'd like to have thought so, but there was, there was some moments where you're like, is this sustainable? And even when I was at Fox, I was like, is this, I mean, what's the, we, we thought we were growing the game a little bit. And later I would find out it was bigger after conversations like this. Cause quite frankly, we would be calling games and I didn't think we had an audience at all. So, because uh, we were very hard to find cable, although in Canada we discovered we had a little bit more of a uh, an audience. But as the years went by, uh, uh, the amount of time people come up to me and say that was such a an introduction to the sport or a godsend because they had a uh, soccer on TV, they found a way to watch it. So I was wrong with that, and that was a 
that was a pretty that's pretty fulfilling and to hear all these stories about it that makes me think that they should have a uh they should do a documentary on fox soccer channel there's some good stories to tell by the way fox sports world fox. some some that we probably can't share but um <laughs> it was uh it, it was pretty exciting but I, I never thought uh the sport would grow the way it has certainly on the media side with broadcast rights, you know, where we talk here in the U.S. with uh, the Premier League valued at $2 billion, not valued, but someone paid $2 billion for the broadcast rights. And seeing how competitive it's gotten, certainly in our field. But um, yeah, I, without, I guess I would say I was, am I surprised? I would say I'm, uh, I, I'm pretty satisfied that I've somehow managed to, because it's a tough business and I'm still here. And I think LAFC was a, uh, came at the right time where I could kind of pivot from ESPN and get back into the sport that I love. Did you ever find Max, you know, early on, it, I, I find it's probably not quite the same now, but being an American with an American accent and, you know, the battle with that and the English accents or foreign accents that people seem to, you know, go towards uh, still, we see that in Canada, we see that in the United States still. Do you ever find that that was a, uh, a challenge at all for you because I really do like the way things are going and that the Americans like yourself have been given that opportunity and stuck it out for so long and now seem to be more accepted as time goes on. Get in there, Craig. Yes. Right. I just said it like that. Not having it at all, by the way, not at all. <laughs> Get the English out. I'm just kidding. Guys. Uh, no, it was, it was tricky because we always heard that um, about, uh, an authentic voice, which we get it. I mean, there wasn't a lot of Americans that or Canadians that were uh, that had a lot of experience calling the game because the game wasn't broadcast. So you had to lean into that. I was very fortunate. Fox, my boss, Dermot McQuarrie, who was a Scot, felt that it was good to have an American kind of along for the ride. And um, I was also very cheap at the time. So I was, a, <laughs> I was, it was, it was a channel that was on a very tight budget. But uh, yeah, it's there's been some. It, it's the pendulum has swung both ways, and I've seen, you know, where I've maybe missed out on some opportunities because uh, they felt more comfortable with an English voice. But I've I've seen it swing the other way, where the English, uh, very good English voices, may not have been able to get a uh, a platform here uh, where they they previously did. It's weird. It's um, mm-hmm. we got to find a happy medium because we need all the we need all the uh, the good voices, the, the smart people in the business to help build this um, to where it needs to be. And, you know, I always tell my, you know, when sometimes the the English talent that comes on here, um, I've been doing it all their life. They're the best at what they do. And we got to lean into that. But um, it was, it was hard a lot of times because it was, it was difficult to be taken seriously. I hammed it up a little bit too, which probably didn't help, but um, I always said, be me. And uh, it seems to have worked because I'm still here. And uh, I want to encourage more North American voices because at the at the end of it, you um, there's something uh, very unique about being a fan uh, here and uh, being able to be being able to be spoken to in a certain way that makes sense. Where you can kind of include in your broadcast why it's important to be an American fan. What, what why is this day special? Why is this why is this situation special? But uh, we're all, I think we're all in it. And I, uh, uh, the more the merrier for sure. Cause we're still, our, our industry is still in diapers. It really is. And we need a, a being at ESPN and seeing, you know, uh, how complete the coverage was for other sports. It certainly made you 
give you a target that you'd want to where uh, this sport could be on that same platform. You were one of the first, you and JP Della Camera are like the first North American accents, you know, that I can remember hearing. And prior to that, I never would have thought. Hey, JP's older than me, all right? So, <laughs> but just just my point being that as as soccer still wasn't, wasn't many as it accessible, wasn't, yeah. right? And you know, I always thought, well, I love soccer, but listen to how I sound. I can't work in it. So to hear your voices, what are you talking about? I'm I'm saying as a, as a kid. Prior oh, to okay. I thought your, you meant your actual voice right now. now you have a very nice voice. <laughs> thank you, buddy. Prior to hearing your voices, my point being is, I never would have envisioned like someone who sounds like me would do play by play. And, and, you know, I would I would hear you both, you on Fox Soccer, JP doing national team games. And uh, when I did play-by-play for the first time, the Canadian Premier League uh, during the pandemic and the Island Games, and I'm in this phone booth, and it was like noon, and I'm like, oh, this must have been what it was like for Max back at Fox when he's doing Chesena and Sassuolo at 5 a.m. in L.A. Same thing in a, in a tiny little phone booth. I hope someone's watching other than mom and her friends. Yeah. And I guess I should rephrase this because this is the reality, too. There, there wasn't anyone who came into – the industry that wanted to call soccer games. There were a lot of people and ESPN did it a lot where they would turn to baseball announcers or basketball announcers to call soccer because they were the best. They were the more, uh, they were the most established. They were the, uh, um, the most successful. And there, you didn't, there wasn't a place to go, Hey, where are the, where are the soccer announcers? More importantly, there wasn't young kids or kids going to college saying, this is the sport I want to do. And that's it. This is number one. I'm going uh, to learn the broadcast journalism, but through a soccer perspective. And when I when I move on to wherever is next, I want to do soccer. But that's starting to happen now, which is uh, is pretty cool. And, you know, we have to we have to incorporate not just those these American voices, but the Hispanic first generation Hispanic voices that are here that are soccer fans. We haven't really done a great job with that, but. It's starting to it's starting to happen where um, just like the players and the coaches, I mean, players, I mean, you can parallel it with the players. There was very few players uh, that thought they could make a living playing soccer in North America. Now they do. And now there's good money. So they're not going to go to other sports. Same with the broadcasters. So um, that's changing uh, relatively quickly, which is good. And our community is getting smarter, more sophisticated. And I I mean, I don't I, I I got into it. I, I it's kind of weird because I I knew I I liked the sport, but I it was so it wasn't developed, and I was watching it in Spanish. Um, I listened to Andres Cantor and some of those other guys here to be inspired, and never thought there would be an English uh, outlet. And then that that occurred, and now it's it's everywhere. Uh, still got a lot of work to do. It's still disconnected, and we still you know we need we need a lot more leadership that knows the sport to help um, push the uh, the next stage of development. But uh, it's it, it's moving along. The great irony is you, you mentioned Dermot McQuarrie's name there. And, uh, you know, Dermot was was the big wig at, at Fox Soccer for a long time. Uh, B and I worked under Dermot as well for, for a while there. And uh, I've been working there for about a month. Uh, and he goes to me, so James, um, whereabouts in Australia are you from? <laughs> I was like, "What? You're gonna be bloody kidding me, Dermot? It's Scotsman. I mean, do I sound that? I know it's been a few years, but uh, yeah, you know, what'd you say? Uh, just outside Melbourne, Dermot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was quite a character, wasn't he? Uh, old school. He still is <laughs> quite a yeah. character. Uh, very, he was very old, good old to me. Producer. I mean, without him, I'm not here. 100. percent Without him, I'm not here at all. Hmm. No one yelled at me 
in this business more than than Dermot Macquarie. He was old school. Andrew, you weren't alone. You weren't alone. I would, <laughs> we, we'd put up against the when someone walked in, they we knew he would yell, and we'd have our ears up against the wall. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You're like oh no. <laughs> quick, uh, quick Dermot story. So uh, I have a beard now. This has kind of like been my brand, but of course, working for Fox, facial hair is uh, not allowed. So I thought I could get away with you know shaving every two days. Dermot walked in after maybe our third show and his hands behind his back and he's, you know, looking around, he's nodding at the camera people, the co-host, and he looks at me, he says, great show, Brendan, just wondering, maybe in the morning you can shave your fucking face. <laughs> that's, that's Dermot. <laughs> and from, and from, that, and from that moment, from 10 years on and every TV job I had since then, shaving in the makeup room before sitting in the makeup chair became part of my routine as uh, imposed by Dermot. I, I, at ESPN, uh, no one had facial hair. And one day I said, the heck with it. And I showed up and I was like, what are you doing? They're going to make you get rid of it. And I was like, I don't know. So I went on air and then I went to my superior and I, I said, is this all right? He goes, yeah, I don't care. I go, really? And I told everybody, go, we couldn't grow facial hair. I go, I guess you could. So there you go. Opening some doors for you. And yeah, then a couple rules. people did. <laughs> it, I didn't, I, I, my beard, not nearly as good as yours, Brendan. So I didn't keep it around. Uh, one last uh, reference to people that we know. So uh, from working at the score, Charmin and I worked with Adnan Verk for years, played a lot of tennis with the guy. No one loves movies more than this guy. Have you ever watched a movie because Adnan Verk gave it some glowing review, but you hated it? Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, The Irishman on Netflix. <laughs> he was saying it was like this next coming movie. And I go, uh, Adnan, that was brutal. I've played a lot of tennis and we, uh, we saw a lot of movies. I remember we were in uh in West Hartford, we both lived there. And then he, he got in his car, which was four-seater. And it was like seven of us shoved in there. And we were driving down to, was it uh, Norwalk, Connecticut, which was about 30, 40, 40 minutes to watch Dunkirk on the big IMAX. IMAX or whatever. And we were a little bit late. And I remember running there and just seeing how disappointed he was to miss a couple minutes. It was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Uh, but that guy, that me and him, Adnan and I arrived at ESPN uh, weeks apart. So we uh, carved out a very, very special friendship. And uh, he's been a good friend through the years. So uh, I'm glad he was there. He made that uh, that transition a whole lot easier. And we played yeah, some great guy. Great, great guy. Could I ask B very quickly, B, um, did you win a game off Adnan? No, not one. I don't think I've won okay, a game so, off you either. Is that why you asked? We haven't. No, the, no. The, the thing with twice, Adnan, so. the thing with Adnan, he's not a, this. He he's not a. He doesn't have game winning shots. But if you hit across the net, he'll law. He'll always get to the ball and lob it over. He will never hit a winner. He will wait till you make a mistake, and then you hit it long. <laughs> and it drives you crazy. So you have to be able to hit a proper winning shot, Good or uh, he'll just go right back at you the whole time. <laughs> He's a thinking Stinks. man's tennis player, you know? It's good, good. He's done so well you get for himself. Frustrated. I'm hitting this in the corner, go whack, and that goes 10 feet long. When I play B, I just, just make him run across the court, and generally speaking, he won't get to it. And uh, <laughs> generally, I beat him as well. But anyway, it's yeah. been a while, B. Maybe you've maybe you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play again this summer at some point. He's got um, quicker, you mean? <laughs> yeah. got First person in history sure. to get quicker as they age into the late 30s. <laughs> you better hope so, B. Um, so you, you mentioned the U.S. men's team, you know, and how the game is growing. But I, I think much like we acknowledge over in Canada, yeah, we, we're getting places. The game is improving. You know, it's getting bigger, but we're not there yet. We're just not there yet. It's going to happen. Um, but in, in, in the States, is the growth 
around the men's national team or was it MLS, do you think? What, what, what is the growth, the main, the main vehicle for that growth? We're seeing a lot of growth around the men's national team now just because it's, it's so exciting with uh, the emerging players going to Europe, um, new young talent that we would be able to unearth that we weren't able to before, the pathway for these young players to where they stick with the sport and they can be profitable. And, and, and now they'll look at a guy like Brendan Aronson and say, wow, he was at the Philadelphia Union. Now he makes a $30 million transfer to Leeds two years plus later. So um, that's going to be the driving force for sure. MLS, obviously having a league here has been huge, and it's a great product. As you guys can attest to, it's getting better. Uh, every year we watch it, it's, it's, it's more enjoyable to watch. There are more players that you will tune into. There's more teams you will tune into. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, it's in a weird place because people do enjoy taking shots at it, and I'm, I'm always defending it. I'm like, Why am I defending this? to North Americans because it's it's their league and uh, it's really good. It's improved considerably and it, it's it's a big part of why the, uh, the, the men's national team, not just the U.S. team, but several national teams within the region have improved uh, because it gives them a, a world-class league uh, with world-class resources where they can improve them, where they can improve his players, and Brendan Aronson or Tyler Adams, these are all good examples of those. Uh, you know, Alfonso Davies obviously got his start here, and MLS now taking a bigger role in developing the players will be intertwined. So it's going to change, but I always found it a little frustrating that it was easy to take a shot at MLS when because it's competing with the Premier League or La Liga or the Champions League, which is couldn't be any sexier if you tried. Uh, and I know people have a certain amount of time to watch the games, but it's like, oh, MLS, oh, that, that let's laugh at this. And people are still, um, you know, they're kind of trained to do that. So, um, and we've done, I think we we haven't done the greatest part of selling it as this sexy product, and it's getting easier to do that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the width and breadth of all the clubs where they are here in North America, um, it's a big job. So, uh, the growth, the growth certainly is three prong. Uh, the national team, MLS has helped that. Uh, the uh, the ability to access all the the European leagues at the at the click of a finger is is something else. And you know, here in the US with NBC to see what they did with the Premier League and other uh, entities doing the same with other properties, um, that all is a big a big factor in it. One thing I have to ask you, Max, you're now with LAFC. This seems to be a club that from top to bottom, from start to where they are now, has been run magnificently. You could probably tell me differently if you like, but, you know, this from the stadium experience, there is Premier League teams that would die for that type of stadium, that experience, that fandom. Um, the rivalry between the Galaxy and LAFC, it's a real thing now, it seems. Um, and that growth has been incredible. How do you find it with LAFC, and why has it been such a smashing success? I'll answer that one first. It's been a, a smashing success because they laid the foundation very early before they even played a game and building a supporter culture, which I was at the Gareth Bale press conference yesterday, and he made a point to say being in that stadium and seeing those fans is a big drawing point, and everything about that atmosphere there is is makes it easy to sell the league for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they did a really smart way of they they handled it in a smart way where they wanted to build from the supporters and they then had a a description of the club i go this is los angeles we want to be exciting and they live to that so whoever the coach is has to abide by this is the brand of football we're going to play and then the stadium downtown los angeles where you want to have a stadium regardless of where what league you you are in and human at very uh human scaled 22,000 seats nothing uh nothing to uh outlandish uh not playing in a football stadium is key it's that's obviously difficult to do because there's a big price tag attached to it great ownership group obviously that was serious about creating a uh a, a an incredible club and fan experience and successful team that can compete on the world stage they said that at the beginning you never knew that was how it's going to turn out to to be but it has and again it's hard for anyone to just imitate that and do the same thing um i mean they, they did a lot of hard work the, the stadium itself is on the site of the old sports arena that stood in la for years mm-hmm. and no one would knock it down despite the fact there was nothing happening in there it was just there and it was in the middle of the city and i'm like i go it's gonna stay here forever and they would do commercials in there and i go why is it here but they had to move heaven and earth in order to get that stadium but their their ownership group is pretty you know avant-garde uh and well equipped with so many people within the businesses in LA and internationally that can uh and have great contacts and able to do that and then they got the players uh culminating the latest two editions which really show that they are serious about uh being a global brand uh the key is to get the key though is still to lengthen your local roots because you want to be a big deal in Los Angeles, which is difficult. They have a long way to go for that. It's just not, it just doesn't happen overnight when you have the Lakers and the Dodgers and now the NFL in here and then USC and UCLA. So, uh, but they've carved out a nice niche, but they, they know that they have to keep going in that direction. And I think the best part is you wish that that can rub off on other clubs. But I, I think a lot of clubs are in that, that, area now where they want to keep up with the joneses with clubs like with lafc and some some others and there's a lot of good destinations within los uh, within major league soccer that can uh, help build that so uh it's been a thrill to be part of it you know i pinch myself a lot and i always say don't screw this up because maybe if you play your cards right you can stay here until you're ready to take off your shoes sit in a hammock and uh Smoke cigar? No, not smoke cigars. Maybe yeah, a, Cuban, Cuban cigars. You know, maybe you, a half of one and put it out for the next day. Sure. Yeah. Hey, one thing about in Toronto, we found that the Toronto FC experience, as opposed to the Leafs, Toronto Leaf, Maple Leafs, uh, baseball, uh, basketball is a great, a great, a great atmosphere. But it is known in the city to be one of the best sporting experiences for your bang for your buck, no question. Are people in L.A. finding that now? Are they hearing that if you want to have a really good experience and a lot of fun, get yourself to one of these games? For sure. And getting to to go to the Toronto games from the very beginning, you could see that. And at the time when you're at BMO Field and you see it all, you know, I was, you know, I've been here from the league in the league since the beginning. And you're always prepared to be disappointed. But when you see BMO Field there off Lake Ontario, you're like, wow, this is really cool. And you put it into the bank, the MLS bank of great experiences. And I've uh, been fortunate to go there several times. And everyone rolls out the red carpet was there for when Toronto was able to lift their MLS cup, um, showing ambition and doing that. Uh, but yeah, it is 
more and more fans are are, are going. I mean, the, the Galaxy ticket was a hard ticket. The FC Dallas ticket prior was a hard ticket. So people mm-hmm. know that you can go and um, it's a great experience. It's something you've got to you you've got to experience at least once. I think uh, we always have meetings about telling people when you're coming to Los Angeles, what do you do? And then where do you tell people? Say, go to a game. Uh, certainly an international audience would would appreciate that, especially with players that they recognize. And I think that's something we want to really focus in on. You know, you come to Los Angeles and you go to see a concert at the Hollywood Bowl. You go to uh, Palos Verdes. I mean, some people go to the Santa Monica Pier. I wouldn't recommend that. Too touristy. But go see a game. Go get some good Korean barbecue. Just like Toronto, you have a long list of things you want to do that will make your trip uh, very memorable. So uh, more and more certainly within L.A. and uh, outside of it, uh, we want to attract them here to come to the stadium. And, it's just, again, it's a small stadium. So uh, sometimes not everyone can experience that. I think we've got to do a better job of seeing if we can reach out to people and say, hey, why don't you experience this at least once because they won't forget it. Will Ferrell doesn't have a long list of friends that are coming through every week. Like, <laughs> dude, it's a it's a who's who, and what what they've done now is with some of the, for lack of better expression, the celebrities, they come in. They don't want them just to come once. They want them to invest in the club. And I'm a big fan of System of a Down, which are from Glendale, hmm. about 15, 20 minutes from the stadium, and they performed at Bank of California Stadium. So they invited them, and now a couple of the members. Uh, Darren and Shavo are there all the time and also be real of Cypress Hill is in the drum circle. So not only are they coming, but they're fixtures there. So you can do some good people watching. There's always a great list of celebrities. Jaime Camille, who's one of the top Mexican actors. I wouldn't call him. A, he's from Mexico, but he works a lot in the U S he's a super fan, Colin Hanks. And they, they're there all the time. Uh, Kurt Smith from tears for fears. You see him at the field club. <laughs> they are into it. So, um, they uh they're a good they're a good um trendsetter because if they're coming and they enjoy the experience that makes it easier for uh everyone else to 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 realize that it's such a special place how's canadian max uh, Carippo doing all right they love him they they he was when he came um first of all the goalkeeping situation in lafc was just a a, a big issue they couldn't find a a guy that could uh go from the beginning of the season to the end. There was always concerns. They wanted a guy who could lock it down. Maxime Crapo last season played LAFC in Vancouver and had a 10 save game. So everyone saw how good he was. Mm. He was identified. Mark Dos Santos came in and said, let's get him. He is a great shot stopper. He's getting better with his feet. He is moving in the, um, he is moving into the, the sweet spot of his career and all of that allowed him to come, and he has been a godsend. The fans love him. He he was smart to make a connection with the supporters from the very beginning, and he's been a big part of the success that they have had. Craig, what do you what? How would you rate his development? Because obviously you've had a good look at him, but mm-hmm. they love him here. They love him yeah. here. I never thought he'd come here because uh, it seemed like the Canadian clubs would have a good lock on him, but he's here and uh, he is. Ad- adapting to LA very well. Yeah, no, obviously you've been watching him an awful lot. And as Canada's number two at the moment, uh, he has to have his own personal sites at the number one position, even come November. You just never know what could happen with injuries and opportunities. And he seems to have really taken that. So the club is a perfect situation for him. They're doing really well. He's playing well. He has that connection to the fans. He has a connection with the team. And he just seems to have really uh, taken it, uh, taken that opportunity really, really well. And I wasn't sure exactly how that would happen. 
happen, especially when you throw him into that sort of scenario. But Mark DeSantos obviously knows him very well. We've we've had him on the show for, uh, several times as well. We know him. Um, and that's also a good move back for Mark, I think, uh, back to L.A. He's really happy there. He's in the right spot. It's a sweet spot for Mark, I think, and exactly the way he likes to deal with it. They they give him freedom to do what he needs to do there. Um, so all in all, it's just a, it's a very good situation for a couple of the Canadian players. And Maxine Crapo has been, been absolutely excellent. And obviously the team playing so well also helps him. Well, you make a good point about the World Cup, and it just made me realize this. Uh, kind of hedging your bets to make uh, a breakthrough on whether to make the roster or to start, and Maxime certainly has a chance at that. But playing at LAFC is going to really facilitate it because we. I heard Luis Suarez, and he says he wants to come to MLS. He's got some offers, but he's got to make sure he makes a team that makes the playoffs or goes deep because then he's going to be sitting in October, and the mm-hmm. World Cup starts November the 18th. Right. The uh, the MLS season ends November the 5th. And if Crapo can make an MLS Cup, and that's not guaranteed, but it looks better with LAFC. I mean, there's only two or three teams that you can probably guarantee make the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. Still a lot to go. That he has put himself in a position where he'll play important games heading the World Cup where the selectors, uh, John Herdman and all, will have to give him a real good look to not only make the squad, but to start. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Hey, is Carlos Cadillac going to make a comeback ahead of Qatar? I, I got to ask him. He's down in uh, he's down in Buenos Aires. He just had a new record, so I don't think he's going <laughs> to. He might tour here in North America, but he does. He he draws, you know, he draws 20,000-seat stadiums in South America. He draws <laughs> closets here in North America. He's just not – he needs some better PR. If you haven't seen him, check out uh, the pinned tweet on Max's Twitter account. Uh, yeah. I'm People always ask if that's me. It's not me. It's I, I have a I have good connections in South America, and right. I, I saw this guy who was phenomenal. I said, "Once you come to North America, I got to get him better venues, though." <laughs> obviously gareth bale uh, he, he's kind of banking on some playing time as well right obviously uh, i think he'll make wales regardless of whether he's playing or not um but i mean but that's uh, a big, what's he your... needs games he, he this, does he need games yeah. it's the first time wales have been in the world cup in 64 years he needs to play significant minutes now he, he says some great things though, i think if you're an la fan um at the press conference saying listen I, I'm, I'm looking at this beyond the world cup this is not six months or 12 months. I'm looking at this as maybe somewhere to end my career, essentially. How, how is uh, the LAFC faithful uh, accepted Gareth Bale? Is there a sense of distrust there still? I don't think so. At the press conference yesterday, there was about 30 supporters, and they were all mesmerized. They, they had to look like they <laughs> went under the Christmas tree and they got everything they wanted. Uh, it was pretty, pretty touching. And he said all the right things. Uh, I had a chance to carve out a few minutes with him, and it, it – and I spoke to some of his uh, representation and they're like, they, he's really excited about this. He wants to, he feels rejuvenated. Mm. And then he mentioned the euros for 2024. So we all know that we're going to get the best Gareth Bale in these five months now for the rest of the MLS season or four months. Uh, the question was what happens next year when there's no world cup, but by mentioning the euros, it made it pretty clear his intentions to continue. I mean, he's 32. He, a player mm-hmm. of that caliber, as well as he's played for Wales. If you take out Real Madrid, where we can argue uh, the levels of play he had, I said, uh, obviously he didn't play as regularly as he would like, but he played big spots in important moments. But with Wales alone, um, how influential he is in the Euros and now leading this team to the World Cup, and he did lead them, uh, that uh, 
he uh, if if he gets comfortable here, which so far it looks like it, and he's made a connection with the teammates, that this can continue to 2023 and potentially 2024. Because uh, if he's comfortable and happy, where I mean, the same thing with Carlos Vela. Where is he going to go? Is he going to go back to the Premier League? Uh, it's it's once you get a taste of LA and you, and you have a good club like this in the background, we've seen it with Carlos Vela. They usually stay. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I think it's pretty promising that Carl, Gareth Bale could have a nice tenure in Los Angeles or MLS. Pretty nice situation for him, isn't it? Because we know that the pressure in LA is gonna, not going to be anywhere near what uh, it has been in his past and in, in clubs uh, gone by with Real Madrid, especially. So it, uh, I think from my experience talking to players at the end of their careers or, you know, ready to make a move MLS was always an option for them and somewhere that they wanted to play because they could enjoy their football and enjoy their life outside of it as well and I think uh, Gareth Bale is going to be able to do that and he, he we know he likes to play a few rounds of golf so he's in a pretty good spot. there's a rumor you hear this rumor I don't know maybe Matt can, can comment on it um there's a rumor from a pretty good source that that part of his deal was memberships to um a lot of top golf courses in California is, is that something you heard as well no, I, I. You know what? I didn't ask about the golf because I think yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a, he mentioned he mentioned about he's getting in, golf's going to take backseat for now. But look, golf playing golf and being a professional athlete, it's better that you have that's your passion than say consuming a, a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken every day. If that was true. your passion, <laughs> then uh, I enjoy it. when I see a commercial. I love dog. Sorry, but uh, that's why I thought about it. Uh, but yeah, he'll play golf. But I mean, I mean, I I I, I still think that they could be uh, two mutually exclusively uh, passions hmm. where uh, he could still be a, a top athlete. So many of these good athletes nowadays play golf. You know, you think of Steph Curry and and others who obviously play a lot. Um, and it doesn't really affect their professional career. But I tend to think that he, at least for the the short term now, he will focus more on the football and then settle into being able to play golf in a city that has some great courses uh, up there at Riviera, not too far. If you go up a little further north, um, I don't even know the golf courses. I, I don't play nearly <laughs> enough. I will say there's a top golf where you can launch balls here in El Segundo, close to where I live. And hopefully I can go there with Gareth Bale one day. That would be fun. <laughs> how about, how about Kalini? How much uh, have you seen him in training? Does he look as though he's got something to offer still? He looks as though he's always having a lot of fun. He had uh, the, I'm going to training when I'm done with you guys. But when I was, um, when I was there last week, he was there and he was already communicating to our young defenders and it was pretty cool to see. So he, he is certainly invested um, it's interesting when you talk to John Thorrington, the reason that Wales made the World Cup is what allowed Gareth Bale to come here. The reason that Italy didn't make the World Cup allowed Chiellini to come here. Otherwise, they would have taken different paths. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, he is, it's hard to imagine he doesn't play uh, a big role, but they they have really good center backs, LAFC. They have five um, very well-regarded center backs. And this is the dilemma is... They're the best team in the league right now. So what do you do? Do you you, <laughs> you thrust those guys in there? I think yeah, you, you kind of have to sooner than later. Yeah. But um, you still keep a good balance with the guys that have got you there. So uh, Steve Chirunlo has his hands full, but there's no doubt. And they play Nashville on Sunday that uh, he will probably – there has been some reports that they will play Gareth Bale. It will probably be for a short amount of time. And Chiellini, I would imagine, is probably ready for a half probably ready for 90 minutes, but uh, the guys 
that have played in front of him have, have done a really good job. And But it would be crazy to think that those two aren't featured players, more so with Bale because of the World Cup, but that they're both in that starting 11 sooner than later. One more for me, uh, for you, Max. Um, obviously, in your career, you, you've interviewed the biggest names in the sport. Now it's Gareth Bale, Georgia Collini. You're a West Ham fan. You were, you were there in 2000 when Canada lifted the Gold Cup. Where, where is featuring in the same show as Craig Forrest right you know, as, as far as your all-time career highs? <laughs> when I go to Canada, I'd see Craig on TV and I'd get a little starstruck. But <laughs> I got to say, that, that game, uh, Canadians should be so proud of what was accomplished in that tournament. And it, we were at the Coliseum. It was, you know, it hasn't rained in LA in four or five months. It hasn't. And then this deluge, and we were there covering it, and it was, you know, everyone's like, USA-Mexico is what is the standard fare for the Gold Cup. And yet Canada and Colombia, and that's, you know, people, people certainly in Los Angeles is going to be a tough draw. But I remember going there, and I was like, you know, Canada didn't have much of a, uh, a build-up, a pedigree of whether they were able to do this. And the fact that they did it uh, was pretty cool to see. And Craig was a huge part of it because defensively they were so watertight. Uh, I won't forget about it because of the surroundings and there's a special feeling about sharing up something like that with just a few fans that were there because there, it, the fact it wasn't USA Mexico obviously disappointed the locals, which I'm sure Craig is thrilled about because you can take a lot of satisfaction in telling people, you know, F you no, it's Canada, yeah. Columbia. Yeah. And then the rain obviously just washed away others that may have showed up. And uh, I, I remember it fondly and, and being able to see that. I remember covering that whole competition and Canada were, uh, were, were, were gallant and deserved winners. And Craig was uh, a deserved most valuable player. Yeah. Were I you the MVP that. in that? Were you, you, you had to be. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was an <laughs> yeah, amazing was. moment. I think they announced there were 7,000 people there, but I don't think there was much more than, I don't know, a few hundred really. It was, uh, it was really quite something. And the actual rain helped us because, you know, the Colombians, they were quite comfortable on a dry surface, pinging it around, but they really seemed to struggle with the wet surface. And they never, for the longest time until the second half, they didn't seem to get comfortable at all, where all our guys playing in, well, some of them playing in lower divisions in England, they were used to that slop. So they knew exactly how to play. But I thought it was actually our best game of the tournament because I think the pressure was off a little bit. We'd already won the Confederation. So we were already going to go to the Confederation's Cup. Um, and I think that also CONCACAF didn't want another team from another region winning their trophy. So we at least knew we would have the level playing field going into that match against Columbia. That's a great, uh, I remember feeling that I was thinking to myself, mm -hmm. I want Canada to win because we want to keep the gold cup here. And that was a weird tournament because you had Colombia, you had uh, South Korea was in it. That's uh, right. Peru. Pulling it up here. Peru was in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you take a risk. You don't, I mean, it's all fine and dandy to invite these teams, but you don't want them to actually win the tournament. So uh, yeah. we all, we're all indebted to Canada, Craig in Mexico <laughs> In Costa Rica, obviously <laughs> in the U.S., for what you guys did to keep the Gold Cup here, because it hasn't gone. Has it gone in? I don't know if it's gone anywhere outside of the nowhere region. else. Uh, nowhere else so. except for Canada and U.S. Yeah. and Mexico. That Take that it. to your grave. Whenever yeah. that is, fifty, sixty, hundred years from now, Craig. <laughs> that that was important work.
I did actually say at the time, this is going to be an awful long time, Laz, before we ever see anybody outside of this happen again, because they're not going to want to see a stadium empty like that, because I've been to the finals before a Gold Cup with Mexico and the United States, and it is a spectacle, and it's a money earner for CONCACAF, and it's a massive thing, right? They want to protect that. They want to protect that, which doesn't benefit the the, the Canada's, although I think they would love to have a Canada in the the business end now. But there's, I don't know how that works out, but there, there's a lot of forces against things like that happening, and you guys were able to power yeah. through that. We don't bring a lot to the table, you know, Max. We really don't. As far as, you know, we don't bring thousands of fans with us, even though we're right next door. Um, hey, so we dirty understand. secret, Craig, the U.S. really doesn't either. Yeah. <laughs> we're still yeah. working on that. It's still that's all Mexico. Yeah. yeah, listen, boys, it, it might be about to change. It might be about to change yeah. what's happening, I think, uh, up here, certainly. Uh, listen, Max, uh, despite your modesty, you are a broadcasting legend in uh, all things football. Uh, thank you so much yeah, for this. Buddy. It's been a ton of fun, and you're welcome back anytime. My pleasure. This was actually a, this was a, a time well spent, and you guys are all first class, and you've put me in a really good mood. I was in a good mood when I woke up this uh, morning, but I'm even in, in an even better mood. So well, uh, let's continue that USA-Canada uh, you know, it's synergy. Good for the sport, right? Right, it's good yeah. for the sport, I think, absolutely. Well, Thanks, Max. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. See if uh, he's still grateful when he's sitting in that LA traffic that he spent. Yeah, kidding, no kidding. That is Max Bredos. Uh, yeah, you know, I, honestly, guys, I I remember when I first started out, you know, in the biz. I think Max is quite new to the business too at that point, but his voice was one we used so much. I mean, do you remember back in those days? He was one we used a lot, you know, in our, in our sound ups for our packs. And uh, man, we we ripped off feeds wherever we could find them just to get content because <laughs> it wasn't easy to find at that point. But uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Wanga, you you made an appearance. Oh, I just wanted to say uh, before Max goes, so I said this off air, but I might as well follow through with it. Are we Cuban still on air? Hammer. Yes. Cuban Hammer. Yeah, yeah, podcast. <laughs> How did you, where did you come up with the Cuban Hammer as your handle for your email? Contrary to popular belief, it was not during my time with Vivid Films. Um, I, I had to make ends meet, guys. Soccer wasn't paying so well, so I had to do a few odd jobs in adult films. Uh, no, it's quite innocent. <laughs> It's quite innocent. It was my West Ham fandom was fully charged and I had to get a new internet handle and uh, I was mesmerized by Paolo Di Canio. So I got to get the hammers in here. So, and then when I went to see Iron Maiden, which is one of my favorite band I've seen the most live and Steve yes. Harris, the bass player, had Me the too. Iron Maiden bass. Awesome. Oh, that makes sense. I was also thinking Steve Harris. It could have been, been MC Hammer. And I thought maybe maybe we just can't touch that, this. Dan, that's the problem is that people's imaginations run wild. So I can't explain it to them. So who knows what they're thinking? And when I have to read it out to people, it's a little embarrassing. Go, Here's my email. And they're like, okay. So it's quite innocent, though. It's quite innocent, though. But maybe I should uh, do something a little more uh, more boring, dull. No, I like it. Love it. Love it. Not at all. Not at all. Swagger, Max. Well, you know what? I'm glad Wonga got that last question in because it would have been one that was hanging there exactly. for a while. Exactly. <laughs> so to speak. Say, What's that all about? Would have wondered for a long time. No, we'll get you back when uh, when TFC and LAFC are, are on the pathway to meet in that Cup final, buddy. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Absolutely. Thanks, Max. Been great. See you, Jets. Thank buddy. you. That has been Max Bredos. This has been Footy Prime Interview. Thanks for joining us, and we'll chat to you Wednesday. Cheers for listening and keep buying newspapers. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.